Welcome to ADHD Flourishing, about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real-life stories, and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life, so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life. If you want to be here, you are accepted here, and you belong. I'm your ADHD host, Mattia Murray. Let's do this. Welcome to Grace Allardyce. Technically, I have interviewed you before on the Longer Road podcast, but this today uh, is about whales because I heard your on your podcast, Homebody Podcast. That's that's the full title of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you had an episode where you were talking about whales, and I love whales. And I was like, oh my god, this is the perfect opportunity to finally start. I want to do some interviews with people just about like their passions and interests. And I could tell when I reached out to you, I was like, yes, this is, this is definitely the energy I'm, I'm looking for, uh, to come in hot about whales. So um, (laughs) when I got your email, I was so stoked. I was like, this is my favorite like email I've ever gotten. I was like, I will absolutely (laughs) go talk about this on your show. Yay. So, okay, just like a little bit of background about my my personal uh, interest background with whales, just like why why this spoke to me so much. I mean, first of all, uh, I've I grew up uh, near the Puget Sound, so even mm-hmm. though I didn't really see whales, they were like you know farther north and not really like in Seattle. Um, still, like there's sort of this like it's like they're right up there. Like I knew where they were, I knew I could go see them. So I always had this feeling that I was like pretty close to whales, even though they were, you know, not necessarily actually visible. Um, and I've always just had this really strong connection to the ocean. And then, uh, I, am not going to go into this right now, but I have had some very weird dreams about being a sea creature. Um, so like I have, I've had this just very, like, even though it's not real and it was in my dreams, I have this like weird embodied connection, I feel like to sea life. Um, so it's this whole thing in my head. And then I'm also obsessed with whale song because they actually compose them. And as a composer, I think it's so fascinating how they like, sometimes they're working together and they will like, if, uh, if you look at the, you know, people who've written down whale songs and, and kind of looked at them, they're like, these are being composed. This, they're not mm-hmm. just singing. They are like going back and forth. They're elaborating on each other's work. And then, you know, the whole thing where it just propagates throughout the ocean really quickly. So anyway, that's like, (laughs) I'm very obsessed with it. And then I'm also, of course, currently obsessed with the um, orcas taking down yachts thing and also the big, the big cetacean meeting um, in the ocean of like all the, so anyway, um, I I am super (laughs) super open-ended on where we go with this. Um, But yeah, what, where did whales enter your life and uh, what does this look like for you? Oh man. Um, I did not grow up around whales. Um, I feel like that's like a trajectory for me. I keep feeling like I end up in whale town, but that's not where I am right now. Um, the Southeast coast of Georgia, um, not even the coast in the Piedmont mountains. I remember we had like a legit, like actual, remember how there used to be encyclopedias, like sets of encyclopedias? Well, we had those growing up and I remember getting really obsessed with like, I mean, I was super nerdy. So of course I'm the one like reading the encyclopedia, but like getting really into like the whale section and there being this sort of scale drawing of like blue whales to humans. And I was just like, "Mm." I mean, I was freaked out by it, but I was also like, just couldn't stop looking at it. 
And I remember also like having dreams about whales that was creeping in. And so it was for me very closely tied with like being kind of scared. And I'm even right now, like, I'm not going to go scuba diving. I'm not here to like, Ooh, can't wait to be in a submarine. Like that's like my worst nightmare. I'm never going to do that. Um, voluntarily anyways, but also the simultaneous kind of like obsession with, and very much so like a, a feeling like a, a kinship or a connection and kind of a, an energetic love affair with them. Um, a lot of it does have to do with, with sound and with song, but also some of it's just kind of more than that, the way that the depths and the water, like they're, they're scary, but there's also something like inviting or it's the mystery really. Like, it's just like that we look at outer space, like, um, the same way that we look at the depths of the ocean. So I can relate to a lot of the things that you're saying, uh, like the dreams and the sort of energetic connection and the, and there's a way too, that now I feel like I've kind of done enough buy-in. Like it's like donating to the whales, getting enlisted to the whales, praying to the whales, listening to the whale song. Like they, I feel like they know. And now they're like, oh, she's full on. Like, so they're, they're now there. I just totally get all the things like random people sending me the whale videos, people who don't know that I'm obsessed with whales. Like there's a vibe now and it's, they know and we're, we're vibing, which is cool. So. Yeah. That that's also where I'm at with, with puffins, which are my, like my one true, mm. my one true animal. I'm obsessed with them. And that is a, in most cases, people know that I like them and sending them to me, but it's just funny. Cause, um, oh, this is just a random, but the, the Star Trek movie that had the, the porgs in them because there were like puffins where they were filming and they, it was easier to just turn them into something else than to try to get rid of them. And so I don't know, the 15th person who sent me this link was like, has someone sent this to you already? I'm like, five people sent this to me while I was in the movie theater. Like this is, <laughs> <laughs> people know that this is my thing. <laughs> this is connected <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, the mystery part, uh, the other thing that that reminded me of is one of the archetypes that I really identify with and as like a thing that I I feel like I used to have more of in my life is like the mermaid mm -hmm. just that that sort of just like being in the water um one of my favorite games as a kid was well until my mom caught me and made me stop was that I would just lay face down in the bathtub in the water and hold my breath for as long as I could <laughs> totally well yeah it's understandable that Classic. your mom would make you stop Classic. but also yeah for sure I would always like even now like going into like the water is something like I mean, I have a whole course I teach called water medicine. Like we have a thing, like the water, we have a thing with the water and, but yeah. And I'm just at a mundane level, just like getting in the shower. It just feels like, oh my God, the holy blessed water. Like God lives in the shower for me, the bathtub, the countless times that I've fallen asleep in the shower. Like it's, I love the pool. I love the ocean, like swimming in general is just, I, my body feels literally like I'll get into the pool to go for a swim, like sore and decrepit. And just feeling like way older than I actually am. And I get out, I'm like, oh my God, I just swam a mile and I'm feeling like a newborn baby. You know, like there's just something, and maybe everyone feels that way. I don't know. But yeah, definitely that sense of like mer people. Um, yeah, sea people for sure. And water, all of that, which, you know, on a very basic sort of evolutionary perspective makes sense since at some point we were all water things, if not other more mystical things as well. So, yeah, uh, another hole. I'm like, are we going down that rabbit hole? I'm like, we can totally go we, down any rabbit hole. Absolutely. I'm there. I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> I will meet you there. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I, I know a bit about the history of uh, the like ecological movement around like using the whales as a sort of stand in for saving the oceans. Right. Which mm -hmm. obviously it didn't it didn't 
work per se. Like we Mm -hmm. have continued to do some bad things in the ocean, but it did make a difference. And I know that there were those like CDs of whale songs in the seventies and stuff. It was trying to like get people to connect. And I think that there was something really effective about that. Um, I am am going somewhere with this, (laughs) Uh, which is that like, I, I think that there's this, there's something really compelling about whale communication and the mm-hmm. more that we've learned about them, the more that we know they are literally, they have language. They're literally speaking and communicating with one another, right? Which plenty of animals do. You know, we know that animals are saying things to each other that are meaningful within their language, but like whales have complex language and culture. And mm-hmm. that there's something about that. And, and maybe it's because they're so huge and because of the mystery of the ocean, but this being this sort of other, very otherworldly uh, setting where I, for me, I feel like it was, it was one of the first kind of big pieces of my ecological awakening to just be like, mm. oh, this is not me. Cause I was raised, you know, evangelical and it's like, we the you know, the sons of Adam, blah, 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 taking care of nature. We're in charge of it. Like it is ours to, to, it belongs, uh, to, humans. It belongs to humans. And I think like for me, whales were part of my like, oh, wait, this isn't just we need to care for them because God wants us to. This is they're like a whole other thing. And they've got culture and language and like they grieve and they have funerals and like, you know, they've got a whole thing going on. And it's incredibly uh, arrogant to think that I with you know me personally, but also humans in general, you know, that this is like anyway, so that's a whole thing. But like, I, I think that there's something very, very entrancing about whales in particular that it sounds like you kind of landed on even just from that like those images in a book right like that's how i don't know majestic that is but yeah i would i would love to hear if that sparked anything for you yeah i mean it sparks a lot of things and i think there's a documentary i think it's called the loneliest whale and i can't remember if it's on like hulu or something like that but i remember maybe it was a bioacoustic person or something saying that you know he was talking about that moment in the 70s where like we captured whales like we realized like whales sing you know and it was this moment where like it's not he's describing that we're not necessarily because we don't want to anthropomorphize animals per se but he's saying like it's not really anthropomorphizing to say that they have they're experiencing these like emotions like they're clearly like experiencing something like this they clearly have language but because when we realized they sang it helped us to care and that in and of itself is really important. And just sort of like reawakening or remembering this sense of, of animism, whether or not that's mystical or not for someone, to me doesn't really matter. It's just more like this awareness that the world is alive and we live in a very alive world. And if it weren't alive, you know, then it's un- it, it's understandable that people just wouldn't see why we need to care for it. Um, but if our aliveness is entangled, then suddenly that becomes really, really important. And for me, trees was like a huge part of that. Like, I still feel like a little, like I remember being little in the car and driving by yet another, what was forest getting clear cutted to be some like stupid cookie cutter neighborhood and just being like seven and being devastated by that. And so upset me like, it's fine. It's just how the world. And I was like, I just felt like it is not fine, but I just didn't have the language for that because I was like seven, but But I think too, like we're in, like as humans, like we're in this moment now where, you know, we, especially in the Western, we're in the weird world. We've been in this moment where our, our understanding has gotten so narrow and so focused and so material and so empirical 
in so many ways. And we're really also like obsessed with what we can see, I think in a lot of ways as humans, it's like our primary sense in a lot of ways. If I can't see it, it's not real. When in fact, we can only see like less than 10% of reality or something like that. Like I think my dog probably sees more reality than I do. And that's another reason why I think whales and, and with sound and song in general and water also being this really powerful conductor for sound is something really enchanting. And it's really like inviting us into this magic of like the unknown and the mystery in a lot of ways of this like remembering of like into other forms of intelligence that are outside of like Western rationalism or in service of industrialization or the quote enlightenment. This is kind of bringing us back and inviting us to really like reintegrate some of that innate knowing and and sort of as we come up with like data and quote science to really like back up these things that we can already feel when we hear the song. When we hear the song, we're like, oh, is that my grandmother? Like probably. And so for the people who need more of like the data and the science to really kind of back up what we already feel like we know, like there's sort of like hope there that we could reintegrate or we remember some kind of like belonging or understanding, I think, um, which to me feels really exciting. I love that. And the other kind of the, the things we can see, the empirical, I keep coming back to this thought about dreams, part in part, because what I said before about these, you know, the whale specific dreams, but also even just like two nights ago, I had this long dream where I was part of a culture where you had a specific place that you were a part of. And I was like attached to this mountain, but it was like, not cool to just go fuck off and live on your mountain. So I was like, <laughs> darn, <laughs> but, but I was trying to do that. And so I was trying to kind of like set up my life so I could just leave and go live on my mountain forever. I just like be there. And, and I had to like, kind of do these, you know, little sneaky things to kind of like make it look like that wasn't what I was doing. And then the whole rest <laughs> of the dream was literally just me like hiking off on this. That was the whole rest of the dream. And it was just went on for some time. Like it wasn't just the so it wasn't just the sort of quote real life part of it getting to the mountain. It was like part of the dream was just the experience. And that's such a huge part of my dream life is, is just being in these kind of strange, imaginal, often very nature-based experiences that are so regenerative for me because I don't have access to that, you know, all the time or not even, you know, as certainly not as often as I would like. And I was thinking about the, the mountain one in particular that I like, I woke up and I was like, wow, that was like such a nurturing, you know, place-based. It had this nature element. I was like, I got so much out of that. It mm. wasn't real. I mean, it was, it was in my, it's, it's in the same, um, dreams feel very real to me because I have a Fantasia. So when I, I dream with images, so it feels exactly the same as real life. So I like get a lot out of my dream life and I would never want to give it up. And, uh, anyway, I was just thinking about that, like connecting back to all of this, that I can have these experiences that are, you know, quote, not real, but to me, they're an incredibly meaningful part of my experience. And that was literally giving me something that I've been longing for and that I can't easily create in my day-to-day -day life. And I feel like there's something about that, like that dreaming, that yearning, the like movement toward or the the desires that we have because a lot of our desires i feel like are things that would actually make the world better for all creatures that's what a lot of us genuinely want there's just not really a clear pathway to get there and so a lot of where we end up is like great i'm just like hoping and dreaming and praying and like you know mm -hmm. um and obviously there are things we can do i don't want to make it sound like there's not but like for me that intermediate 
imaginary dream space is like an emotionally meaningful part of that for me as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I would argue it's also a very like powerful and co-creative place as well. Like I think Mm -hmm. the work, the quote work or experiences that we have or create or do in ways that are imaginal or unseen, like can have just as much impact on the world as the things that we do that are obviously like visible and quote real, you know, is what I would argue. Cause again, like we can only see like less than 10% of what's quote real anyway. So who's to say it's not really happening. And um, it's what we're agreeing on. I love that idea of like shared agreement reality. (laughs) Yeah. It's what we're agreeing on. And I think, you know, thinking about whales again, like this mode, like if you look at videos or like sort of images of just sort of like what it looked like, what their migration patterns look like in each species of whale, they have kind of different migration patterns, et cetera. And I'm particularly obsessed with humpback whales. Like it just literally looks like someone is drawing a grid all the way down the planet every, and I was like, oh, they're like singing a grid around the world. And depending on, on, how powerful you think sound frequency is or isn't, especially as in regards to like, you know, if energy is everything that is behind all matter, sound is a really big part of that. And I think there's something very magical, very wizard-like, very prayerful, I would even say. Like they're singing, they're singing our reality. Like they're literally like singing. I was like, well, I guess I should be singing back then. Like, what am I singing into reality or vibrating into reality? Like, am I going to take the time to make music or sing or drum? like, what is the thing that I'm going to like, how am I singing back? And we already talked about like water being such a powerful conductor of sound and like, and we are water, like we are living on land, but we are also primarily water beings. So like on some level, we're drinking the memory of the whale song and like, it's in our bodies. Like it's, it's it's very powerful. And so who's to say that like our version of that couldn't also be just as powerful? Yeah, I think it was that grid comment that the singing the grid thing from your podcast, which we'll link to obviously in the notes, like back to, you know, this original conversation uh, that that it was like, oh, my God, I have to talk to you more about this or like mm-hmm. I want to hear more about this because that's the kind of idea that for me, like when I hear something like that, when I hear something like that, that both clicks into something I already believe and experience the, the power of sound, how much I love whales and how great they are and how like they're so, you know, like all these cool things. But then there's this new element of it where I'd like never thought about that. Mm. Even though I've seen pictures of their migration patterns before. Right. But you're like, you're putting, so you're like pulling together pieces of things that are already in my brain and adding something new. And that for me is the, um, that, that particular, you know, the idea of them as a grid, like singing, you know, reality up and down the world, kind of just like back and forth every year. Like, um, that's such a powerful idea for me that I is, it's just like slowly reshaping my brain. I feel like it's mm. one of those things that's just like in there now. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. keep, keep thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's, you know, the humpbacks, it's also, they update the song every year. You know, like it's up to date Intel, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, we should be definitely listening to those songs and not stay trapped in our, like our need to like understand, you know, I'm, I, a lot of my, my primary art form has been for most of my life, dance and choreography and performance. And the question that you always get asked after, well, what did, what did it mean? You're like, well, I just did it. You know, like, what do you mean? What does it mean? It's like, it's not like, a equals apple and B equals bear and C like, that's not how it works. That's how we've kind of like constrained Western minds 
to think, which to me is like very limiting and, and boring um, and not expansive at all. Um, so like if we don't have to understand in that way, but we can just let it in long enough for it to like do something to us, then we'll get the message. It may not come in through English, but like we'll get the message. And I think the more we can be in that space, the more we'll be in conversation with up-to-date intel that all of reality is like trying to get to us if we would just open the ear you know or open ourselves or our hearts or whatever it is yeah no and that's i mean okay i can't help it i can't help but connect this back to like my, my personal trauma journey but uh let's do it <laughs> the the being able to allow things to happen in the body and allow the body to have experiences without trying to explain it uh without trying to connect it to the past or the future or make meaning out of it stepping outside of that framework was the key piece in mm -hmm. my own personal, I don't know, evolution as a person. And certainly a big piece in my trauma healing specifically, because there's, yes, the stories we tell are useful, but I just got to this point where I was like, okay, I feel like I've gotten all the use out of these stories that they can give me. And I, I don't just want to, I don't want to quote, write a new story in the sense of pretending that didn't happen or that it's not a part of my experience, but like, it's not what I want to think about and interact with and have that be the only thing that I'm doing. So that, that like, just, I'm just in it. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm thinking of like a, a sensory deprivation chamber, like a float tank. Like I'm just like here, yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, and in that case with, you know, just the sounds of your own body basically, and like a little bit of water, but it's like very, very, uh, there's not a lot going on. And then in the huge, much you know, more macrocosm version of that. I'm imagining just like being in the ocean, mm -hmm. you are probably technically being impacted by whale song. If you spend long enough in the ocean, right? Like it's, it's there, it might be distant and you, and it, they're also, they're very uh, slow. So mm -hmm. they're like low frequency. A lot of, a lot of the sounds are low frequency. By the time it reaches you, you really might not notice that it's happening, but just being in water, like having those experiences, listening to things that don't make sense. I actually like listening to conversations and languages I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy the experience of just like, oh, wow. Like I'm actually, I'm hearing a different quality of information because I'm not analyzing the words mm -hmm. and that's still, you know, listening, but there's a more emotional component to it. Anyway, I feel like I'm, I'm rambling, but like <laughs> there's, there's definitely like that, that, piece about just experiencing and not trying to make sense of it. At first, it feels kind of terrifying if you're used to that being your primary way in to certainty, safety, and information. And as soon as you kind of start to step away from that and go, oh, there's like all these other ways of experiencing and being open to things, some of which has opened me up to some of the weirder experiences I've had because I was just kind of like, yeah, sure. I don't know. Like that, that could be a thing that <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> For sure. And I think, you know, when we're trying to like pull things in through the funnel of either language or constructs that we already know, it's about control, mm -hmm. really. It's ultimately about control and then control equals safety, yep. which is understandable. And I love that you shared part of your story with that too, because there's also this way that's like, like, I think that's ideally like what we, you know, when you're talking about like a new story, like when then we're able to really, ex we heal enough to where we can finally experience presence. Like we're yeah. not so like, I am my trauma, I am my trauma, I am my trauma. Like when it when we're in the injured place, we're in the victim place, like that's still really true. And like our healing journey like invites us to like 
become the medicine for that or become the person who that happened to, but it's not the entirety of our identity anymore. And that doesn't mean it didn't happen or that it's not important or that, you know, it informed like us to the core, but then it doesn't become like all of us. And then it's like, well, then who am I? And then you're like talking about floating in the tank and it's like, well, I am, you know, then we're in that I am space, which is pure presence. And I think so few people in the world today get to experience that for a lot of different reasons. You know, we're so full of like projections and um, imprints from parents or stories or things that happened to us. Like, so we're able to get to the place where we can actually just be here. And, um, and then when we can finally be here, then we can be like, well, I could surrender potentially to not knowing and knowing something greater. And that is the keyhole to like the mystery or to really getting into the awe space or the wonder. It's like, you don't get control and awe. Like those don't, they don't happen together. You will never, mm. They're, they're not the same. Like you, it's not going to happen. You have to sort of like disentangle enough to be in the place where you could float to where you could allow something else to hold you up and be like, I could drown in here or I could float and meet a whale. Like, I don't know. And, um, but I think that's a place we have to heal into. Yeah. And that I would never encourage anyone to force themselves into no 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 to yeah. try to get that healing or, or maybe you know to try to get the medicine that you think is going to be in that space and that is something i'm just really well, i'm really bringing in a lot of things today but that is <laughs> something i see people do sometimes with like psychedelics which i haven't done too much of myself but where they're like oh i know you can get these big you know huge experiences like you can just you know get blasted with the light from the keyhole and like have this big thing and like depending on how your nervous system actually takes things in and works with things, which does can can change with like, depending on your background. Um, and the, in particular, like that pushing yourself into unsafety, if you have a very traumatized nervous system, doesn't tend to work. It doesn't tend to do the thing that you're hoping that it's going to do. And I know, cause I've, I have tried <laughs> like pushing through, it, like throwing myself into the deep end with things and the, the gentle floating like I'm just here and so is the mystery and maybe something interesting will happen is so different than, well, I'm just going to be stranded out in the ocean with no supplies and no guide and like, hope something great happens. Yeah. Hope, <laughs> hope for the best. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's really true. And I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, you can't force healing in that way. And if we are sort of in our trauma or in our imprints, not be, not because that's lesser than at all. It's just like where we are, if we're on that place, we will continue to find ourselves in experiences that reinforce whatever that homeostasis is. It's like, if I'm used to being a victim, I will find myself continually being a victim or put myself. It's like, if I'm going to put my, if I'm used to feeling unsafe, even if I don't like it, I will, can, my nervous system is still, is going to just be leaning into experiences where I feel unsafe and being like, Ooh, or, or something that's super intense because we're, our homeostasis is like at intensity, but yeah, that's totally, it's totally different when you're in a place of like, I'm here. My field is totally like resonating with this experience of like my presence and you're going to get the experience that you're putting out. We'll say that, I think, you know, with experiences like psychedelics or something like that, like going into it from a place of like openness and surrender and just sort of like you have all of yourself with you is different than like, I need this magic pill to be the answer. And it conveniently also hits that intensity button that I'm kind of addicted to because I live in 2023. And those are all super different. I like to, I think Ram Das 
one of the things that he said a lot was you have to become somebody to become nobody. And I love that. It's like you have, but it's like you have to heal before you can surrender, right? Because otherwise you're just used, to, it's like you're just surrendering because you're used to giving up power, which is different than being like, I've healed and now I surrender because I trust in what is. Those are totally different. And you have to do the one before you do the other, in my opinion, which is I think where a lot of us who had were traumatized or had attachment issues, et cetera, in like organized religion, where it's like suffering is praised and surrender is praised and all of that, which is, it's like you're bypassing the thing. We have to be totally, we have to get in before we go out. <laughs> and then we do both at the same time. And that it's kind of a skill that we we learn. I'm getting kind of off course, but it made me think too, that like one of the whale, especially we look at like whales in myth, it's just really interesting thinking about like, you know, the difference in like a story like Moby Dick, which is, you know, I've never actually read because I don't want to, um, where, you know, it's just like, like all of this, like, rage and conquering energy at this big, beautiful, almost like matronly, incomprehensible creature that must be like attacked and conquered and like used for oil. <laughs> and then, um, and then myth where it's like a lot of indigenous myths are like our ancestors turn into whales or the medicine man lives in the whale, or we even have Jonah in the belly of the whale, right? Where it's like, this is where you go to meet your destiny and like, turn your, like literally like resurrect yourself and like reorient yourself to like why you're here on the planet. You know, that's, that's like a really magical space. And I think that whales can really hold some of that. Like, it's like, yeah, the darkness and the depths is super scary, but if you're in the belly of the whale, you can kind of go down there and get like transported and in, in a way that could be regenerative, even if dark and unknown. Yeah. It's also making me think, uh, I mean, transformative experiences in general and that mythic sense, this, this journey that we think maybe we can go on or that we're on where we're sort of like, I'm thinking belly of the whale or, you know, being even just in the ocean for a very long time, right? Like just being on a journey for a very long time and where we're almost, uh, in some stories, like forced into the change because it's the only option. It's like, okay, you're here in the, right. That's kind of one of the big elements in myth is like, all right, the, the big thing has happened and mm -hmm. now you will be processing through it. Like you can't get out of it. Cause it's your destiny. Yeah, exactly. And that is the sort of more dramatic telling, I think of what a lot of us experience in life, like the real life kind of elements of this feel so small relatively. And at the same time, I think that's, part of what makes presence so accessible for everyone. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people don't believe me when I say that, and I, I wouldn't have believed it 10 years ago, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I do think that it, there's always presence that is available, even if it's just, wow, I am feeling like I'm absolutely itching out of my skin and I just need to like run out of here. And I hate this so much. And I don't want to be here, right? Like that. I don't want to be here. Being aware of that is still presence. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's just not bliss. And I think when people think it presence, sucks. <laughs> they often think, oh, bliss, right? Like I'm going to have the big experience and then I'm just going to be one with the nature and it's going to be awesome and I'm never going to have a bad feeling ever again. Um, that I don't know a lot of people with that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that that's totally true. And I think that, you know, a lot of times the moments that pull us into that destiny, they feel disruptive and they feel, or they feel 
the moments where things get crystal clear are often disruptive moments or moments of grief or, you know, we have like those dark nights of the soul in the belly of the whale. Like I can't even swim to shore, right? I can't even get out. Like we have to finally be like, I'm being carried by this great motherly monster with the side, the heart, the size of a Volkswagen in the ocean and just trust that I'm changing and it's changing. And at some point things will alchemize and I'll get spat back up onto the land at the right place at the right time. And I will be made anew, you know? And it's like those moments where like, we aren't in control and there's literally like, we finally are like, I'm so sick of pretending like everything is okay. Or something happened, like so-and-so um, just passed away and there's absolutely nothing can do about it. Or I'm going through a divorce or I'm sick. Like those moments that really like pull us in to like that deep sense of like what it is to be human and alive. And right now, suddenly it gets so clear. Um, I feel like what, presence is and what pretending is and all the noise that we were doing, just like all the, like, and then what the real song that our life is trying to sing or what life is trying to sing to us and through us really starts to come through, I think. Yeah. I think another thing that's really compelling to me about whales and, you know, watching whale, uh, I mean, in documentary form mostly, but right, like seeing sort of how the families work together and communicate and how they have community. And and I mean, this is true of a lot of uh, animals. Whales are just so spectacular um, <laughs> that something I think about a lot is how a lot of people seem to a think of themselves as a single being, which I've never understood. I've always been very aware of my parts. So mm-hmm. I've I've never felt like just one single, you know, thought you know, center. <laughs> There's that. Um, but then also I think this sense of agency that people have, which is true as well. Right. So this is, but for me, this is a both and, so it's not a, we don't have agency and everything's just happening to you or the songs being sung through you, but there's this, like, there's this sense that I very strongly have experienced in my life where the more connected I am, the more, and in particular, the more connected I am with nature, with my own body, with just presence in some sense, uh, just less, less connected to my phone, more connected to nature, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's kind of the direction of that mm-hmm. whole thing. The more I am doing that, the more I have experiences where I feel like I am being acted through. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if that's like an actual, you know, knowledgeable deity of some kind, right? Like to me, part of what is so compelling about the whale connection here is this sense that like these collections and they're mammals too, which I just think is so wild that there's mammals who like have to breathe and live in the water. And then they do all these complicated things to like (laughs) make sure they could do that, you know, and, and that there's this sense with when I'm with animals that they're in part just doing things. Mm-hmm. And I love whales in part because they have language and culture and this more complex side to them, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily associate with, I don't know, like a mouse or something, right? Like <laughs> they, who's still, you know, sure they have, but there's this thing about whales where there's like, there's really something there that feels really tangible and real um, in terms of their own thoughts and emotions. And they're also, there's this element of instinct where they're just doing the things that feel good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anyway, I I didn't have like a huge point around that other than I think that part of what animals and the experiences that we have, like with those big grief, you know, change cycles, when we we experience that, we're like, oh, there are elements of my experience that are just happening 
And I could not possibly control this, even if I knew how, which I don't, it's just mm-hmm. happening, but it's, it's not just the external circumstances. It's like, I can feel myself doing things and processing things without my conscious involvement or direction. And the more I've experienced that, the more I just feel more a part of the natural world and like less like I'm a smart blah, blah, blah person, like making stuff happen. <laughs> For sure. Like you're in, yeah, to me, it always, it just feels more like I'm in the flow of what's really happening instead of just in the constructs of my own story that keep me from feeling separate from life. Um, and I love what you shared about, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the artists, like, so especially songwriters, but even like so many like artists have talked about for centuries, they're like, yeah, it, it just kind of came to me yeah. or like, especially singer songwriter. They're like, yeah, it's, um, I can't remember if it's the Beatles or the Bee Gees, but they were literally said like, it's like, you just reach up and catch the songs. Like you're not writing songs, you catch the songs. Um, I think Rick Rubin talks about that a lot um, in his book, Little Pisces Art Daddy. And you know, catching the songs and pulling them in, and I think there's something very about our nature that's like that. And like you know, the the humpback whales, like they kind of get together and they like just sing it out. They're like, "What's going to be our song this year, guys?" And then they just spread it out across the ocean, which is so dope. Like there, it's a bothness. I think is what you're talking to that I relate to this both andness. And I think in the way that, like in so many or at least in all the systems that I have studied to some extent and encountered, it's like humans are both and creatures. Like we are of below and we are above. We're of the stars, but we're also from the earth. Like there's a both, there's like a tension of that bothness. And that's some of what I'm hearing and what you're saying as well. And I hear that like that's in whales as well. Like they have to breathe, but they're down underwater. They have to like, they have all of this instinct and embodied like animalness, just like humans do. But then they're also like, composers of like radical music and like just like we are you know there's this above and below component to them as well and i think that's why yeah in a lot of traditions like they're bridge beings like just like humans are like they have that kind of bothness and i think some creatures probably just are from the earth and belong to the earth and again none of them are better or worse but i think there's a both andness that i think that we kind of share with whales that kind of enhances that sense of like kinship or, or magic or awe potentially. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. And that, that I think that both andness can be really, really difficult to sit with because it's also the unknown. It's the mystery. It's certainly, you know, the, the culture and the subculture I was raised in was very certainty oriented. It was like, Mm -hmm. there is, there is a correct truth answer. And (laughs) if if you even consider anything else, like you go to hell. Right. So this is very, like, (laughs) not (laughs) very very forgiving. Yeah. Very (laughs) close-minded. And there, this just being able to kind of be with, or, you know, I was thinking about a conversation I had this week where uh, there was conflict in the conversation. And when I have conflict with someone who's close to me, my instinct is when I have space from it and I'm thinking about it, I try to think about every single angle, not just their perspective and my perspective, but like, what would, you know, this other outside person think about this? Or, you know, what, what does this look like from all these different angles? And I try to actively take these different perspectives. And that's also, I'm just thinking of like the above and below that I, I literally try to be like, okay, like what's the, you know, what's the worst case scenario here? What's the best case scenario here? And then like, what are, you know, just different ways of seeing this, um, which 
there, there's a phrase, uh, I'm, uh, this just stuck with me. I don't love where I originally heard it, but <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm willing to see this differently. And I just love that so much. And to bring it back to Wales, I'm, I'm so all over the place today, but this is how I get when I'm excited about a topic. Um, to bring it back to the whales, if they didn't have to come to the surface, they actually would have better survivability in this current world, like boats and everything, right? Like, and and because part of what is happening is they're getting trapped in uh, nets and then they have to breathe. So they die if they get trapped in the net. So, um, right. Or like interacting with sonar and other, you know, but, but if they like, if they could just be bottom dwellers, right? Like the creatures who live at the bottom of the sea that every <laughs> once in a while we see one and we're like, oh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, like, whereas yeah. like, we've only seen one ever. There's obviously more than one, but right. Like if whales, whales aren't that they're involved in our world and we interact with them all the time. If you live near the coast, you see them, right? Like they're, it's this, it's this very present mm-hmm. active uh, connection to the world that we live in. And yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't going anywhere with that either. Just like, you know, yeah, if they didn't have to breathe, they would be safer and we wouldn't have this relationship at all. Yeah. It would totally remove all the tension and the conflict and the danger from being here. Um, yeah. And there's something kind of like ambassador, like about that in a way it feels like, um, like a really connection between the land and the sky or the water in the sky. And yeah, I feel like in the West, especially I'm just going to use weird again. And like, weird, like we're obsessed with like needing everyone to believe the same thing Mm -hmm. so that we can do something which is absurd. Like it's never going to happen. We're never all going to think the same thing or believe the same thing. It might be like even close, but like, it's never going to happen, but we're so fixed on that. Like in evangelical situations, it's like, well, I need everybody to believe this one thing, this one way to the thing. And it's, and it's like, they don't, they're just singing the same song, but do they all like the song the same amount? Do they have, no, they're just living, like animals have this like embodied presence. The, does my dog believe the same thing about reality that I do? Like, no, absolutely not. Are we so in love and like never to be separated? Absolutely. Like we can live our lives together and build something beautiful. We don't have to believe the same thing. Like we're so fixated on that in this like hyper cerebral um world that it's it's really inhibiting and like the animals i think can show us this really beautiful gift of like of presence and just living your life like the birds are literally just like getting their food flying around having babies having sex sleeping that's it and that's a beautiful life like that's a full life and that's a full life for us too we just have ways of like overcomplicating you're like i need this stuff and i need to be look good on linkedin and i need this job i need this thing it's like we could just be like singing and swimming around and that's like a big beautiful life and in some ways is more more wondrous and i think the animals can really teach us a lot um when it comes to that um sort of how we can be more here i think yeah and we have the capacity to do that for every human on the planet right now like we absolutely Mm -hmm. have the resources and the technology for every person to have all of their needs met and be able to just hang out and do cool stuff (laughs) Like, totally. I'm just to be like, how do, do I make it beautiful? That could be like our only question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. The, okay. I am, I'm trying to like move toward not a conclusion, obviously, but like move, move toward wrapping up and a couple of the things. Well, first I, I just want to ask, like, is there anything you want to say about whales or touch on or share that we haven't gotten to? I mean, obviously, yes, but like, is there anything that you're just like, <laughs> is coming up for you right now where you're just like, this feels really like a part of this conversation. 
I just think that the stories that we tell, especially about the more than human world really matters. Like the difference between the story of Moby Dick and the difference between like all these ancient myths, like, like all, if you look at the stories about the big fish or the whales, like they're rescuing humans, they're rescuing them from someone getting attacked on a boat or a shipwreck or a storm at sea. Like they're always like ferrying them around and like rescuing them and taking them back. And yeah, there might be some transformation involved. Like you might turn into a whale, um, which wouldn't be the worst thing um, for instance. But I think what the stories that we tell really matter and inform how we're able to care and feel like we belong with and perhaps even to these creatures. And I think that that's really something to get really intentional about and like find the stories that feel like they align with how much you care or even the ones that feel like they're what you want to believe. Like you may not even believe it, but it feels like you want to, then like go with that one. Be the, Go with the one that challenge you to, challenges you more towards beauty and awe as opposed to the one that feels more quote correct. Like there's no correct one. Like pick the beautiful one and just go with it. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, that that certainly speaks to me as an artist and a person yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah, well, and to, you know, the truth question as well. I think about this so much that like we're, okay. So the the idea that humans could just kind of eat, sleep, have sex, you know, make beautiful things and that that would be enough. I feel like I don't know of very many if any societies, I don't know that I know enough about any like culture throughout human history to say with certainty that any culture has been like, yes, we just do this. <laughs> this is what we do. I think there are a lot of cultures that are closer to that. And part of what is so challenging about our current moment is that we're so far from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just thinking about how hard it is right now to work a day job and actually support yourself, let alone a family, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that just with where we're, I mean, I'm in the U S obviously that's like that very particular context, but like how hard that is here. Mm-hmm. And there's just all of these, like we have all these pulls and these drives towards nature mm-hmm. and like following our body's urges. And even just being present is it's a, it's a bodily urge. It's not just a mental or cerebral thing. It's like, wow, look at what is here. And then to tie in that safety piece that we were talking about as well, when, when we are, as long as we're not currently experiencing danger or harm, right? Like in this very moment, part of what presence does for me is reinforce safety, which has again, been a big piece of my own trauma healing. Cause I can be like, oh, right. Even though this other thing is happening that I will have, that I will be dealing with tomorrow, even though this will be, you know, coming up again right now, this, this was with me last night. I was like, I am in bed. I'm actually quite happy. I'm very comfortable. My bed is amazing. It's a really nice. Bed. <laughs> it's like, Bless the bed. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. It's so comfortable. My back feels great. Uh, and so like, <laughs> like I have this, I'm literally held in a supportive, comfortable environment surrounded only by people who love and adore me. And like, I'm physically comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. And the more time we spend in those experiences, the more capacity we have to expand outward in this like imaginal realm, both to imagine ways that the world could be better, uh, you know, ways that our life could be more expansive, or even if it's just the expressing beauty part, right? Like for me, artistic expression is this, I have to be able to expand. I have to be able to hold space, especially for a large work. I have to be able to hold that in my life. Mm -hmm. And 
if I don't make space for that, it doesn't just happen. Like symphonies don't come, songs do come banging down on your door, but symphonies do not. Those are, those are <laughs> sit down, sit down and work kind of thing. Yeah, got to show like, up for them. Exactly. And, and so I love, anyway, as a composer too, just the, the whales like composing together. I'm just like, oh, that's so much obviously better. Like, yes, that'd be, I would love to do that. I would probably write so much more if I had like this team, you know, to just kind of bounce the stuff back and forth and work on it. And then for, and then, and then they do reach this consensus. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious about that moment when they're just like, this is it, this is the one. This is the song for this year. This is this year's song. Here we go. Let's, yeah, let's they just all go sing jam it. for a while and they know that it's their job to come up with it. And it's that important, you know, and it's like, you know, I feel like too, the way that music used to be woven so powerfully, more powerfully into our lives as humans, like now it's a really solitary experience, you know, it's just us and our computer yeah. in the car by ourselves. And it used to be something that we were always, we were doing together. We were doing the family, we were doing a celebration, you know, just like, I love like a good bluegrass is not like my favorite but i love sort of like really old appalachian music because it sounds kind of like celtic old celtic folk music which i really love and just like they just jam you know and it's just such a big it's such a way that we are human in the way that it's such a way that whales are whales like we are like that we're just really far from that right now and you know i love that you're you know like in somatic work it's like finding the blue right the more that we can be like i'm in the blue like we can recognize it you know in the first at first you're like nothing feels good like because it's literally like not even alive and and finding the things that like give us the blue and give us the pleasure and the presence like it does give us more capacity to like to be here and come up with the story because when we're surviving and we're suffering like it's the stories and the songs feel really far away we don't have the the capacity to be in a creative space and i think that like the earth is what we need. Like it's silly that we've made like a video game world where we think we need all these other things. And it's like the wood from your house came from the earth. You need food and food doesn't come from the gas station. Food comes from the soil. And it's funny that we're like eradicating all the soil because that's literally what we need for food. And we need clean water and we need clean air. Those are the things that we need. So of course we would yearn for them and maybe not even know what they are. And it's like, if you can do nothing else, like take your, I think we talked about this in our last episodes, like just go outside and lay down like on the ground, like just touch it like enough. And there are times where I do that. I lay like face down, like hard on the earth. And I like, I literally for like 20 minutes and sometimes I'll do my meditation like that. And I get up and like, I feel high. Like I'm so, everything is like technicolor. And then I'm like, oh, it's because I'm like syncing up. Like this is how I'm supposed to be like, belly on the ground with this big, beautiful thing. That's not wrapping up neatly into anything, but it just felt like, yeah, we're supposed to like be here and like really like and make songs with it and about it and with each other and and like rise, lean into those wherever we can, whenever we can, I think. Yeah. And being intensely alive again is not bliss automatically. I mean, not some people no. do end up in that direction from <laughs> their spirituality, but I think it's much more common to experience presence as complicated and messy and okay. Bring it back to whales again. (laughs) They don't, I was just thinking about our experience where we can remove ourselves from the, the thing that we are actually a part of, Mm -hmm. right? We can actually be somewhat separated. Like I was laying on my yoga mat earlier today and the sun just like, wow, hit me super hard in the face. And I was like, oh, right. When I'm sitting at my desk, the sun can't get to my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I move three feet behind me, lay down and it's like right there. And I was like, oh, right. This, it is right there, but I literally need that shift of 
perspective to be able to see it, whales can't leave the thing that they're in. They don't have structures to get out of the ocean, right? They're mm-hmm. they're just the the water that they're swimming in, that is their entire experience all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that is technically true for us, but we have created a lot of internal constructs that allow us to feel like that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something there again, probably a whole nother, you know, hour of talking, but like, I hope that's a hopeful, uh, a helpful analogy for someone, because that's been very meaningful to me to be like, no matter what I think I'm experiencing, I'm not actually removing myself from the earth and the sun and the air and the water. I'm just not perceiving it right now. Mm -hmm. And I, and I don't feel connected to it. So I'm not feeling that connection, but it doesn't mean the connection's not there or that I'm somehow not a part of all of this just because I feel alone and separate and boxed up. Totally. Yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of conclusion Yeah. I think that's great. It's perfect. <laughs> Yay. Uh, we will definitely link to your conversation on your podcast about whales that got me all excited. I also noted the, the Rick Rubin book because I haven't read that yet and I want to read it, but I'll also put that in the show notes. And where can people find you? Depending on this, when this comes out, my personal website is in a great need of an update. So it might be <laughs> in the middle of one or post or pre, I don't know. Um, but my personal website is mgallardice.com and you can find the podcast on home-bodies.com. Actually, you can find the podcast on either one. They link to the same place. Um, I'm not on social media. So those are the places where I hang out um, on my podcast, the Homebody Podcast. And yeah, my email list is kind of where I, I spread the love and feel up the most. So if you want to be in touch, that's the way to do it. I love your email list. It's great. Thank you. I Yay. love it too. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you so much. This is amazing. I know we could talk about this for two more hours. For, yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> easily. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm really excited for people to hear this interesting, ranging conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thanks for being here and taking a moment for yourself. I hope the episode sparked some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you're looking for gentle ongoing support, I invite you to join the Like Your Brain community. It's a non-hierarchical and no-pressure space to share our lived experiences together and learn from each other. Ask authentic questions, share your own wisdom, and be a part of building a safer space for folks with identities that are often marginalized. And if you're not yet ready to be seen in a group space, we've all been there, you can join the podcast support tier, which has a private podcast feed with some of the learnings from Like Your Brain and additional podcast content, so you can absorb on your own terms and timeline. We're here whenever you're ready. The link is in the show notes or at patreon.com slash Mattia. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-A-T-T-I-A. Have a great week.